welcome to the Psych and Business Podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. I am thrilled to introduce my guest today. Her name is Dr. Marie-Hélène Pelletier, better known to her colleagues as MH. She's a psychologist with a systems mind and has both a PhD and an MBA. She has over 20 years of experience as a practicing psychologist and as a senior leader in the corporate, insurance, governance, and healthcare sectors. Dr. Pelletier is also an author releasing her new book, The Resilience Plan, A Strategic Approach to Optimizing Your Work Performance and Mental Health. And I hope we can get her to talk a little bit about the book today. MH, welcome to the show. Ernest, it is an absolute pleasure to be here with you. I'm so glad to have you on the show, MH, and especially because I was reading your bio and you have such a very interesting and unique experience, you know, being a psychologist and bringing that experience to all of these sectors, including healthcare. And as a, as a, as a bilingual psychologist, please tell us a little bit about your journey. I'd love to hear how you got into this work and how you ended up where you are. Yes. Well, so originally I'm from Quebec City on the East Coast in Canada, where mm-hmm. um, in that province mostly uh, speaks French. So my first language is French. Mm-hmm. And then I had the chance to uh, work in northern Quebec, so northern uh, regions there, seeing how people uh, lived in a much smaller town, remote, no access to services, because that's now 20 years ago. So internet was not what it is now. Mm-hmm. And so that basically led to me being interested in doing research in this area. So I moved to the West Coast of Canada, ended up doing research at the time in telehealth, which now is very obvious. Everyone's doing it at the time. Yeah. It was considered pre-embryonic. <laughs> no one understood it. I often got the comment of, oh, your work is ambitious, which I thought was a compliment. It was not, as you and I know. <laughs> it was not. And, uh, but point with this is that as I did this research at the time, it required a lot of funding because I could not use the internet. I, it was not fast enough. I had to use six telephone lines to transmit telephone and video data. It was like, and, uh, and I had to manage a, n- a number of people as well. Um, and so That's really with all of yes. And so, so that generated my interest in management. That's how I then decided to do an MBA, but part-time because mm-hmm. I wanted to also do the work and see if I actually liked it. And I did. And then through various experiences, I ended up working in employee and family assistance programs in, in um, uh, 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 insurance industry, in healthcare. And, and then now for the last uh, few years, having my own business where I do speaking, executive coaching, and still have a small practice as a psychologist. Yeah, I, I love your experience, you know, and it, it, it reminds me some of mine because I also have, I have a master's in information systems, which is like the, the, the MBA for the technology field and, and also the psychology aspect. So I, I love the variety of experiences that you've had and the management experience that you have. Uh, tell us, how did that help you form your own leadership and your own management style? Exactly. You know, because, right, we, there is something uniquely challenging about bringing interdisciplinary training mm-hmm. to our combined background. So you did that. I did that, too. For me, what became very what led to a very useful place and um, one that I, I love um, is that I understand, of course, the whole psychology uh, side of things, the, the mm-hmm. research, the practice, the implementations, and but having 
been trained and having been myself on the line of fire as mm -hmm. a leader of all levels, the junior leader of a call center struggling to like deal with the fire every minute of every day to middle manager trying to figure out how to work with everyone below me and above me and uh -huh. then and the higher up positions and all this and then in governance, even positions, these kinds of things. So what it did is that many people, well, a few people <laughs> said this, that I almost worked like a translator where I was able to bring the psychology information in a language that connected with people on the business side. And now that I've had a few more years of experience doing this, I can even be more specific. So sometimes I work with people in the tech sector. Sometimes they're project managers. Sometimes they are physicians. It varies. And, uh, and I can usually bring the perspective in, a, in words that resonate for them. I love the, the the description that you have there, you know, the interconnector. I think of it as as a bridge, right? You're able to bridge the the, the work that people do and and, the, and the, the ability to actually get those people to do that work, right? Because I think as psychologists, we're experts in human behavior and organizations have to deal with human behavior all the time. And so this is this is where you you and I have that advantage of being experts in human behavior. And I know you are an expert in in resilience. Talk to us about how you developed that that expertise and how that inspired you to write this book. Yes, you know, in the, early in my career, because I worked in employee and family assistance programs, that was fascinating mm -hmm. because that was an entry door that many people used to see a psychologist that otherwise they would never have made taken all the steps to find a psychologist and speak right. to one. And so it meant that more often they were seeing me in a proactive way, not as far down the road as sometimes we would. And so I saw the benefits of being proactive, loved that, loved how we could save so much time and pain, really, if we mm -hmm. were able to tackle things early on. Mm -hmm. So saw the immense benefits of being proactive, then move forward add all these experiences and training for me, what this led to is that people who sought me out tended themselves to be professionals and leaders because they liked that combination of background. Mm -hmm. So I do all this work with them. And then very often I would have someone come in and say something like, okay, MH, I, I've gone through a lot of very high level demands in my career. I've met all of these demands, no problem. Why am I not now able to keep doing this? Mm. Seriously, like, what's my problem? I, I know how to do this. And then, of course, I do a, a bit of the psychology answer. Well, you know, context changes. And it would still be like, you know, not liking the, the response. So then I moved to the analogy on the business side. And I said, okay, if we were to launch a new product or a new service here as a business, would we just have a great idea and launch it? Mm -hmm. Or... Would we have a great idea? And then look at the context. Who else is offering this? How much are they charging for it? Who is mm -hmm. buying it? What trends in the future may impact it? All yeah. these. Do your research. We, yeah. We would look at the context, right? All the forces impacting the, the overall uh, direction that we want to take. So I said, same thing here. We need to look at your context. And that then shifted people's perspectives. Made sense. Achievable. Doable. Get it. All good. And then that's it. What uh, over time with people saying, after having done this work, saying, "I wish I knew this earlier, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I could have saved myself a bit of time or, or pain or even burnout in some cases." 
that then I thought, okay, okay, okay. If I can find the time, but uh, you know, collect this in in a book, then then yeah, it could get in people's hands earlier in their career, hopefully, like in uh, university libraries and, and bookstores, um, but also for leaders throughout our path of leadership mm -hmm. so that we can find ways to optimize it. You know, I, I love I love that that example that you've given, because it, to me, it really resonates when we talk about resilience and people think, you know, r resilience is is endless, right? It's just you can be resilient until until you know the end of the world. But the truth is that's not that's not the reality, right? As you're saying, is as you are exploring the context, th there are limits, and and this is what you're, what I'm hearing you say is there are limits, and you have to be aware of them. So talk to us about the resilience plan and, and how that that feeds into that. Yes, yes, I so much agree with what you just said, uh, and I think especially people who see themselves and are very mm -hmm. resourceful, capable, high performers, that kind of thing. You get to a point where you think that this is part of who you are. Mm -hmm. and, and that, to your point, that your resilience has no limit, really. It's part of who you are. It's your personality. So, of course, yeah. there are no limit. It's not. It's not a personality trait. Um, and so it is, therefore, the good news with this is, you have, well, the... the the important news is you have to work on it, but the good news yeah. is you can influence it, right? And um, um, and so, sorry, I lost track of <laughs> your question. Yeah, no, I think, what, so what you're talking about here is that resilient really isn't a trait. It's not a personality trait. Yeah. It's a state that you can come in and out of. And as a leader, a lot of the times we think, I'm a resilient leader and I'm always going to be a resilient leader. And so when you're faced with some challenge that your resilience fails, you, you, you begin to wonder, you know, what kind of a leader am I? So uh, that's... I'm wondering about the the resilience plan. How does the resilience plan help leaders better understand that? Yes, yes. Well, it 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 generates a a reflection. Uh, I even have questions at the end of the chapters for your own reflection or book club if you want or mm -hmm. whatever. But it it sort of I'm I'm sharing the reflection that many people I've worked with have had uh, over times. The words they're using, the realizations they're making. Um, through, through the various chapters. So initially it is about in part realizing that how, yes, we've thought of ourselves this way. Mm -hmm. It's true. We are, yes, we're optimistic. We're highly capable, all these things. And we need to feed our resilience. So first it's mm -hmm. shifting to the realization that, you know, I do need to um, optimize it, nourish that resilience. And because if not, there will be unfortunate consequences. So being clear on this. Then the book brings us um, through, okay, so how? <laughs> because yeah. we, and it's not how um, in terms of information we all already have, thanks mm -hmm. to the pandemic and to general information about ways to increase our resilience. We know the problem is implementing them in a life that's already overflowing in yeah. a schedule that does not have 20 minutes to do something else. And so the, and the way to do this is to customize to customize this plan. So in the book, I propose various um, steps or exercises, lens to apply to this reflection. And we can talk in more detail about what these are mm -hmm. to create a strategic plan for us as individuals. Mm. And, and that's what makes a difference. So the book is saying, yeah, yeah. Okay. Resilience. Good for all of us. In theory, uh, you know, in our head. Yes, we agree. Sure. Yeah. In practice, how does your last week look like? Mm, not so much. So therefore, let's find ways because 
not paying attention to it, not investing in it will not be sustainable. So, mm-hmm. but then no one can carve two hours a day. So therefore, if we customize it, make it a real plan that's personalized to you and your life and your current context, then you can move forward with a good plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying here. You know, I think one of the things that's that's really resonating with me is is that resilience is something that you have to work on. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I talked about this in one of my individual episodes, how resilience is something that's personal. It's, it's a lifelong developmental journey. And I love the word that you use, nourish. You know, you have to keep nourishing it. You have to keep feeding it uh, in, in order to develop it. And, and everybody does that differently. And it sounds like your book really helps each individual figure out how to do that in this really crazy world where time is limited. Uh, you know, I, I always want to start with one of those things that that I learned early on is, is the why. Talk to us about the why it's important to 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 develop this plan, to continue to be as a leader, to to develop your resilience. Yes. The reality, especially as a leader, it's true in other contexts as well, and specifically as a leader, we're going to face additional, larger, unexpected demands all day, every mm-hmm. day. And so the demands are increasing here. And and that's in part what I talk about in the book, that we want to keep an eye on both the supply and demand, not to bring them exactly the same level, none of that, Mm -hmm. but to really actually have good visibility on what your demands are and what your sources of supply are. Because if we don't, we're trending down, we will deplete, and that Mm -hmm. will not be sustainable because the amount of resource we have, our health, our energy, our focus, our ability to make decisions, all this will drain down. That's in part how people get in full depression, sometimes through a burnout, sometimes through different ways. And so we have to pay attention. And one of the key things, because again, I'll have leaders say, of course, I'm paying attention. Here's the piece. (laughs) Often part of what allows us to be that capable, that resourceful, that fearless in mm-hmm. at times is that we are optimistic in some ways, but at times we're also even minimizing the reality. So we're not listing actually all the demands. We're minimizing some of these demands. We're ignoring even some of them, thinking they don't even belong on the list, which mm-hmm. means we will have a very biased perspective on the demands we have on our plate until it catches up to us and we're like at 9.9 out of 10 full. And so just like anything else, no matter what area you're a leader in, I'm Mm -hmm. certain that you're spending a fair bit of time risk managing. You're stepping back. You're looking at the full picture. We're doing this for our work and need to do it for our resilience. Otherwise, we're at risk. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I absolutely appreciate what you're saying there uh, in terms of risk management and just being realistic, right? Yeah. I think sometimes people confuse uh, grit with resilience, you know, where grit is just that perseverance, that pushing through to, to success. Some, sometimes success is not possible. Sometimes you will fail. And this, this is where resilience really comes into play. And so being realistic about the situation and, and managing your risk, I think, is one of those things that's really important with with resilience. Am I I'm understanding that correctly? Yes. And I, I think it's a immensely important point for all of us to keep in mind because some of how we react to situations and demands is influenced a bit by 
beliefs that are shared in society or around mm -hmm. us in the culture of our our profession or our industry. And sometimes some of those beliefs will include things like you have to never give up. Uh, you have to persist no matter what. And from mm -hmm. a resilience perspective, as we're looking at our ability to go through adversity and come out even stronger and to sustain this over time, there will be times when letting go is the thing to do. Yeah. And uh, and that's important to keep in mind that this is an option. And again, I'll use the business analogy. When we're over here in a business setting at launching some products, launching some services, there will be times where we will invest a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of everything, years at times mm -hmm. to, to launch something. And we'll at some point have to make the decision to drop it, let it go. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the healthiest thing that this organization at that moment has to do. Do they wish they didn't invest all this time? Yes, but by now we're here. And sometimes the best thing to do is to drop it. And so same logic applies for us. Yes, a good degree of persistence. You know what? Mm -hmm. If we're leaders, we're, we've got a good degree of persistence. We've, yeah. It's established. We're not needing to try to be even more persistent. We're probably there. What is a blind spot sometimes is to make sure we keep on the range of options, mm -hmm. the dropping this thing, the letting go, the, the difficult decision that sometimes we have to make in consult you know, while consulting with our mentors, with others around us, our coach, our psychologist, whoever, yeah. to really make sure we've done the exploration we need to do. But sometimes, yes, it's about letting go. That's such a great point. You know, I think that's that's a point that isn't isn't said enough is sometimes you need to let go, right? I yeah. mean, the, the reality is sometimes you, you are forced to let go. You are forced to, into failure, right? Because not everyone can succeed. But sometimes you have to make the choice to let go. And that's actually a healthy thing in terms of resilience. And this is one of the things that I think I really appreciate about the work that you're doing, MH, is that, you know, as a psychologist, you understand the psychological nature of resilience. You know, the resilience is really something that psychological nature that that is developed over time. And that that is something that you have the, the, the expertise based upon your research and your experience to understand. Help us understand what's, what in your experience, what are some of the things that people really misunderstand or or don't appreciate about resilience? Um, especially leaders mm -hmm. think that how complicated can this be? This is what they tell me. They say seriously, like you know, come on, like I've always done this. Like what? What do you mean? Like I need to mm -hmm. now like work on it, and. Um, and, and sometimes the mistake is to almost, uh, it's almost like they see this as a dichotomy. So either they are an extremely effective, hardworking, uh, efficient, fabulous leader here, mm -hmm. or they are this massively spending their time on self-care, self-exploration, thinking mm -hmm. about their feeling all day person. And, and so therefore, of course, they don't associate with that second option. So they yeah. stay with the first option. And that's a mistake because so many times in life, things are not a dichotomy, not, you know, one or the other. Yeah. And definitely here, you're going to stay all these things, highly resourceful, high performing, all these things. And mm -hmm. we're going to add, think of it as a 2% shift here to that will make it maybe an 80% difference 
because mm-hmm. you're in incorporating elements that focus on on your resilience in again a very realistic customized way so the mistake is to think of it as a dichotomy and therefore no yeah i i, I appreciate that example sometimes we can get very rigid in our in our thinking uh, do you have any examples of how you've used this plan and how leaders have actually been able to ad- adopt it and adapt their their leadership and their the ability to to be resilient yes yes I mean, the, the steps I propose in the book, I've extracted those that seem to be having the most effect in being able to get us to the plan. Mm-hmm. And at a high level, we're extracting your values. We're extracting your current sources of supply and demand. We're mm-hmm. extracting elements of your context to really have good visibility and then creating a plan. So I'll give you an example of um, someone who uh, was a leader well, the person's still a leader, but I worked with this person uh, in the first part of this year. Leader who uh, worked from home now, that's how mm-hmm. things were, and very efficient. Everything was going decently fine, although they were seeing that they were trending down in terms of their levels of energy. Still mm-hmm. love what they do, wanting to keep doing everything, but struggling to keep the engagement, the, the even passion um, that they had for, for their work. As we looked at this particular individual's values, some of their values included personal relationships. They had mm. didn't have a family where they lived there, but they had good friends and they liked connecting with them. So they valued uh, relationships. There were other values there as well. Their current sources of supply and demand were through the roof with supply and uh, with demand, sorry, and very little supply. Mm-hmm. Their overall context is they had just moved to a new area. They had made some some friends there, but many of their friends were away. So, okay. As we explored the overall situation, then we created their, they created uh, their plan. And one of the, so in the plan, we basically literally do it the same way we would do in business, where we mm-hmm. create strategic pillars, so high-level directions with actions for each. For this particular individual, this led to having a pillar called boundaries because they realized that given their overall context, they had slipped into working well beyond uh, a healthy number of hours. In part, the demands were there, but in part, they didn't put limits um, because they thought, well, there's Mm. nothing else I need to do right now. I'm fine with doing it. I'm thrilled to do it. And they kept going. One of their pillars was boundaries. And then some of their actions included scheduling time with friends here, friends in other places, maintaining these commitments, even meeting new people here to make sure that they would connect in person with different individuals. So, And there were many other directions and plans. But for this individual, this was doable. This made sense. Mm-hmm. But because now it had been a bit of, it had received some perspective and reflection on what they needed now in their context, this became part of their plan. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. The plan becomes something that literally, once you have it, you could implement it tomorrow. It is not complicated. That's a very consistent message I get. People say, you know, I was not doing any of this because I thought a bit like the dichotomy we talked about earlier. It It felt initially like it would lead to many changes they did not want. And no just leads to small changes we can implement. I really appreciate the concrete nature of the plan. You know, you come up with a very specific concrete plan that's actionable yep. and really focused towards business leaders. So I think that's 
that's something that's really going to resonate with people and, and people are going to find really very helpful, right? Because we don't, we don't have a lot of options out there like that. Marie, this has been such a pleasure talking to you. How do people reach out to you if if they want to continue the the conversation, uh, you know, or get get your services or get you for a speaking engagement, things like that? Yeah, they can uh, go to theresiliencesplan.com. Um, the book gets to everything I do, including the book and everything else. So theresiliencesplan.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Always love to hear how people are doing. And if they listen to this episode with the valued specifically about it. I know I valued our conversation. So yeah, always that. Yeah. Excellent. And then before I let you go, I always like to take advantage of the experts that we have on the show, like yourself and ask, what's a tip that you have for business leaders and organizations now in this, this time that we're in right now? Yes. I would say get something or someone in your corner. So if you already have someone in your corner, like a coach, a mentor, someone you're working with, mm-hmm. make sure you stay connected with them. If you don't have that, don't need that right now, that's fine. But find something that will allow you to self-reflect a little bit, check in with yourself, be self-aware. This is something we've heard in conversations about emotional intelligence, for example. Yeah. It comes out in any many from many uh, doors uh, when we're looking at how we can psychologically be bring our even better self in our yeah. work and personal lives. So I'm going to go with whatever you need to have something or someone in your corner, whether it's yeah. journaling, talking to someone, going for a run with no music so you can think and let your brain process. You need that space because otherwise you're going all day, every day, every minute. Yeah, you know that reminds me of of uh, something something else that I heard recently about how you know in this day and age when we're all bombarded by information twenty four seven and and we have social media and you, you know especially as leaders you think sometimes if I'm not working if I'm not answering questions if I'm not making decisions I'm not responding to emails I'm not working you have to make time to just sit and let your mind settle you know I think that's that's really important and and the importance of having a coach or someone that you can have that reflective time with that you can, you know, get different opinions for is really very important, especially as, you know, the work that we do is, is, is engaging in, in helping people with understanding their behavior and other people's behavior. I think the work that we do, you know, we're well suited for this kind of thing. So I always advocate for get a coach, you know, what, what's, what professional athlete doesn't have a coach. They have coaches cause they want to do better. So if you want to do better, get someone to help you. So. Mm-hmm. Marie, thank you so much for Emma. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to reading the the full book here. Thank you, thank you, Ernest. It was an absolute uh, pleasure to speak with you and uh, explore all these areas. Excellent. Thank you for coming on the show, and to our listeners, thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time. <laughs> <laughs>